Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles already open, turn them over to Isaiah chapter 9, a very familiar passage of Scripture that's visited uh, during Christmas time. Isaiah chapter 9. When you get there, uh, which is to the right of the Psalms, when you get there, we're going to pick up around verse 2 or so. Isaiah chapter 9 in verse 2. It says, The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian, for every warrior sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel fire. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice, from that time forward, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. You know, Christmas is a wonderful time. One of my favorite times of the year. It seems like even though there's tension and stress and pressure and you know people are fighting for toys and TVs and even parking spaces you know that that's rare even though it gets a lot of attention it's it's actually in the minority the majority of people in a time like this are filled with joy and some sort of happiness even if it is tinged with sorrow and pain and grief, they kind of go like parallel. They go together. You can't just dismiss those things. But like the Bible says, we're going to rejoice with those who rejoice. And so when I see you happy, I'm happy. But we're also going to grieve or mourn with those who mourn. And when I see you sad, I want to be sad alongside of you, looking for the comfort of God. But nevertheless, it's good to be together, both near and far, worshiping Jesus And that was a setup. That was like a ready for an amen. So I'm going to do it over again. I'm going to set you up. It's good to be together near and far worshiping Jesus. All right, just just make sure you guys follow along with me. Follow along. It is good to be together. And I find it interesting that even in a time of great rejoicing, there is and there are those that just have a disrupted peace in their life. They're just not willing to give an inch 
when it comes to joy and happiness. And I know we live in a culture that tries to dismiss Christmas. And, and really, I mean, really the Bible describes what kind of culture we live in. We're actually living in it. We happen to live in a time where good is quite clearly being called evil and evil quite clearly being called. And, and for us that truly want to learn and cling to the truth, we're kind of caught in the middle of all of that. But nonetheless, People are talking about Jesus now, now, even if they're trying to deny him, even if they're wanting to dismiss him. It is true, I know, that instead of Merry Christmas, there are now happy holidays and seizing greetings and all sorts of things. But none of that dismisses the reality and the truth of the birth of Jesus Christ. Neither do you need to let it weigh you down and bum you out. You know, the Savior, that little baby, has a name. And names are very important. You know, in the Old Testament, often a name was given that would reflect the character of that person. People like Jacob, whose name meant heel catcher, or Job, whose name means he who weeps or cries. Joseph, his name, was, his name means increase or addition. And then there was a man by the name of Zerubbabel, and his name means stranger in Babylon which is exactly what he was. Ruth, her name means satisfied. Esther, her name means secret or hidden. And names are important. I mean, when you're in a group, when you're in a a room this size and your name is mentioned, it immediately gets your attention. For some reason, we are tuned in to our name. And for many of you, you even see in your own life that the the name or the the origin of your name even reflects a little bit of your character or how you grew up. Today, researchers tell us that the names we give our kids actually speak more about their parents than they do their children. It reveals a lot about what a parent values and what their goals are, especially for their children. And every generation, and actually there's a website where you can look this up, every year there are a ranking of popular names. Like today, as I looked up um, in 2022, the most popular names uh, for girls in 2022 were Aurora, of all names, Violet, Charlotte, Amelia, and even Hazel made a comeback on the list, and Aria. They were popular for girls. For guys, for boys, the popular names this year were Asher, Theodore, Oliver, Noah, and even Henry made the list for men and boys' names this year. It's not uncommon for parents, some of you have done this, to give virtue names to girls, names like faith, grace, hope, or charity. Biblical names are popular as well, like Matthew, Joshua, Mary, For boys, even geographic names are used. Boys named Dakota, Texas, or even Denver. Although I haven't met a kid walking around named Breckenridge with a sister named Pueblo, but hey, the names are out there. There is, though, Princess Aurora, and she's a popular name this year. But then there are those parents that seem to want to make life miserable for their kids. A lot like the old Johnny Cash song about the boy named... Sue, you know of Sue, don't you? These are actual names that parents gave their kids, and I'm asking you to stick with me. And this is the time of giving gifts. So if you want to give a courtesy laugh, you can give that to me during this time. Last name Turner, they named their daughter Paige. Last name Peace, they named their son Warren. 
Stick with me, that's only two. Stick with me. Last name Bath, they named their daughter Anita. <laughs> last name Case, named their son Justin. Or last name Arm, they named their son Carl. Carl Arm. Carl Arm. Yeah, if you have to explain it, it doesn't become funny anymore. Last name Banks, first name Robin. <laughs> Last name Bacon, name their son Chris, middle initial P, Chris P. Bacon. <laughs> Last name Zaster, first name D. Okay, I lost you. I won't even go on. No more. The Bible says in Proverbs that a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Loving favor rather than silver and gold. Again, the Bible says, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. And so we ask today, what's in a name? Well, it really depends on whose name it is. Because one day, a few th couple thousand years ago, Gabriel, an archangel of God, announces to Mary and Joseph that there will be a birth. And she will bring forth a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now the Hebrew form of Jesus is the name Joshua. And the name Joshua means Jehovah is salvation. And so what a name to carry, to be reminded of the salvation of God. The Bible says, therefore God has all highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth. Again, the Bible says, nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved, and the name is Jesus. The story of Jesus coming into the world is not so much a true story of his birth as much as it is the true story of the tremendous life-altering gift that he is to us. It's not a true story, even though during this time, part of the happiness and joy is this exchange and receiving of gifts. It's a beautiful thing to have others on your mind to think about what you might be able to do for them, even in the most smallest of ways, and express that care and concern in the giving of gifts. I think it's equally important that not only are we good givers of gifts, but we're also good receivers of gifts. I mean, that, that's a wonderful thing to give in exchange is to receive with joy and happiness the thought that someone had in baking a cake or a pie or cookies or purchasing a gift that was well thought out and desirable that they would think of you and pray. I mean, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing to enjoy not only around Christmas, but throughout the year. And when we think of Christmas, it's important to recognize, though, that the emphasis is not us giving and receiving gifts among each other, as good as that might be. The emphasis of the birth of Christ is God's gift to man. God's gift to man. The gift of eternal life. The gift of the forgiveness of sins. I mean, here we are in a church thinking about this baby Jesus that was born. We're going to look at his name in just a moment. But the primary fundamental reason God sent his son Jesus Christ is so that your sins might be forgiven, 
I know it might be hard or you might even disagree thinking, you know, I, I, I know I'm in a church and I know you're a pastor and I know you got the Bible and you've got to talk about sin, but I'm not really interested in sin. I, I, I can understand where, you, where you're coming from in many ways. For many years, I wasn't interested myself. I was doing my own thing, my own way, and in, quite frankly, enjoying it to some degree. But you know, the thing about enjoying a life apart from God is that the day always ends, and the people and the parties end, and the people go home, and friendships change, and what happens is you're left alone, just you. And when you're alone, your mind begins to think about the meaning of life. I mean, you look at the parties that you're involved in, you go, is this all there is to life? Perhaps it's not a partying life that you have, but maybe you live in the bottle. Or you live now under the influence of some prescription drug or some legalized marijuana. And that's just, you, you, you don't want to feel the weight of everything. And so you just kind of suppress it through a lot of different decisions. But at the end of the day, when everything wears off, you've got you've to sit there and think, you know, is this all there is to life? And today I have the privilege of declaring to you that absolutely no, it is not all there is to life. But if you never come to terms, if you're never willing to admit, if you aren't willing to choose to turn away from the lifestyle that you're in that doesn't include God, and and I pause there for a second because I know folks will go, but what do you mean? I'm a good person. I, I have nothing against God per se. I'm willing to be here, aren't I? I mean, here I am. And I would say, that's a good thing that you are inching toward God tonight. I commend you. You know, not everybody wants to be here. I mean, some of you right now, you are timing me and going, how long will this guy go? Well, two and a half hours is about as far as I'll go. So just enjoy the, no, you know, you're here because you were invited. You're here because this is your family. You're here because, I don't know, maybe you were even bribed. If anybody was bribed, good job, good job. But here's the thing. Why would we have and have add all these services to our church? And why would we be praying for you? Because we care about your soul. There's a significance about your relationship with God and the distance that's there that you need to come to terms with. And if you were to come in and out of the, this, the doors of this building, and whether I was here or someone else standing at this pulpit didn't talk to you about your relationship with God, we would fail you. But more importantly, we'd fail God. You know, this building exists to declare the goodness of God into your life. This is the only reason why we gather. Of course, for us that have a relationship with God, we already worship. It's a joy to come together and worship. But if we didn't tell you about the condition of your soul being used by God to bring some sort of conviction into your life, even those of you that would say, you know, I'm a good person, I wouldn't argue with you. I would, I would want you to be good. I want you to be more good. But let me ask you this. As you assess your life as a good person, how good does a person need to be to spend eternity with God? I mean, depends on who you compare yourself to, right? You're a good person compared to so-and-so. Yeah, we're all a good person compared to so-and-so. But how are you compared to the perfect, righteous Savior, Jesus Christ? And today we invite you into a relationship with him. That you acknowledge, you could say something very simple before God, but very meaningful, saying to God, I admit that I've sinned against you. I mean, there is no way to eternal life 
apart from this baby, Jesus, who was born. God's gift to you and to me. We learn a little bit about him in this text that we read together in Isaiah. We learn a little about him, we learn a little bit about him by his name. Notice with me again in verse 6 of Isaiah 9. We learn that a child is born and a son is given. And the government will, will be upon his shoulder and his name will be called. Now, when the Bible says something that's going to happen in the future, when God says something that's going to happen in the future, we typically refer to that, you know, if we're just regularly talking in our conversation as a prediction, as a prediction. If you say something that's going to happen tonight, you're kind of making a prediction. Well, the Bible, when the Bible says something that's going to happen in the future, the Bible refers to that not merely as a prediction, but as a prophecy. And Isaiah 9 is a prophecy of the birth of Jesus Christ. So not only now, looking backwards, is it a prophecy that the Savior will be born, but you and I now are on the other end of this prophecy, and we can say definitively that a Savior was born. And so what God said would happen here has already happened. And his name, we see, gives us characteristics of what it means to be in relationship with Jesus. Number one, notice, it says his name will be called Wonderful. And it's in a relationship with Jesus Christ that you find he takes care of the dullness of life, the the mundane parts of life, the everyday parts of life, the, the work, the sleep, the eat, the shower, every day, day after day, day after day. He's wonderful. The word literally means extraordinarily good. And life with Jesus is just that, good beyond our imaginations. Jesus would say as much when he was walking the earth as an adult. Speaking of the devil, he called him a thief, Jesus did. Jesus said, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Wonderful. We all have different definitions of what an abundant life might be. I mean, that, that is kind of the treadmill of life that everyone's on, it seems. If I just had more money, if I was just successful and wealthy, then I would arrive. If I can become that influencer or start a, a multi-billion dollar business or if I could have this and I could have that and I can, you know, the people that are world worships are the movie stars and the rich folks and the people that seem to have it all together. But if you pay careful attention, you'll notice that even in that stratosphere apart from God, the things that you think would satisfy you, they actually don't satisfy others. And of course, to that, people go, well, just give me a chance. Give me a chance. And some of you, God has given a chance. You're extremely influential. You're extremely wealthy. You're in the position in the place that you want. And now God says, what are you going to do with it? How will you respond? But it's interesting because there's not a day that goes by or at least a week that goes by that someone that people look up to, they end up taking their own lives, leaving their spouse, going bankrupt, because it just didn't work. 
Years ago, I saved this article. They interviewed Meg Ryan when she was famous at the top of her game. Meg Ryan, movie star, extraordinaire. The, the interviewer said, you seem to have the life that most people only dream of. All the wealth and fame and happiness. And she responded interestingly. She said, and I quote, no, I'm not content. I never think of myself as someone who got the brass ring. I think of myself as someone who's constantly in search of, of what? I don't know. It feels like a constant forward motion that I'm afraid of the unknown. There always comes some other thing I haven't done, some other place I haven't been to, some other person I haven't met. I've never had the time where I just sat back and felt satisfied like now I've got it. And as we remember Jesus as wonderful, you have to come to that place where you realize that the world will never satisfy you. And even just last week, this man famous on television and movies and production takes an Uber to a local motel an hour or a, few, a mile away from his house and ends his life suddenly and tragically. I never heard of him before, but I started reading the articles about him and from an outside perspective, you would say this nothing to something rags to riches story would have brought great satisfaction into his life, but he obviously had troubling things that really messed with his mind. Jesus, he's wonderful. And it's in this one relationship with Jesus Christ, not that one more relationship, not that one more possession, not that one more goal that will bring you full satisfaction. It's only in him. Not only is he wonderful, notice he's also, his name means, will be called counselor. As counselor, this deals with all the decisions in life that we make. You know, they're studying these things all the time. I should have jotted it down, but I'm reading a book uh, right now that uh, the author talks about all the decisions we're making. And I think he puts it in the thousands. We're making all these decisions all day, every day. I mean, just thinking about all the decisions we have to make makes me tired about thinking of what's going to be next and what's going to require my time. But see, the Bible says that Jesus is ready to help guide you in the decisions of life. He's ready. The Bible says a man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. Do you have the direction of God today? He wants to give you personal direction. Direction will not be found as you try to drown out the difficulties of your life, trying to run away from them. Some go down to the bar in the party scene to drown out their difficulties. Others go from empty relationship to empty relationship looking for direction and help. There's even more who will spend thousands upon thousands of dollars on prescription medications and therapy seeking to find some sense of comfort and ease. Yet all the while, there's a wonderful Savior who offers you his counsel today. His counsel, his direction, and his strength. Thirdly, not only does he give direction, but notice his name will be called Mighty God. This speaks of the demands of life. And aren't there, doesn't it feel like there are more demands on your life today than ever before? Are you feeling the weight of a culture shifting right under our feet? The changes that are both thrust upon us, but also required of us. It's a demanding world that we live in, even now. 
and all of us have found it hard at times, even as a follower of Christ. There are new demands and new difficulties. It's hard sometimes to stand up for what is right when everyone else seems to be coming against you. It's hard sometimes to say no to temptation. It's hard sometimes to do the right thing. It's hard sometimes to take every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But today you need to know that Almighty God has given you the power to live the life He requests and requires. You know, it's not just the demands of life, but in this same book I'm reading, he's talking about that the attention span, the average attention span of you and me, not them, but you and me in the year 2022, you will not believe this. This is unbelievable. The average attention span to those that study these things is now eight seconds. Eight seconds. That means in a Bible study this long, I've got to get your attention, get your attention, get your attention, get your attention. And yes, you over there, get your attention again. Eight seconds. Like you're there and you're like, oh, oh. It's hard to pay attention. And when difficulties come, let's face it, there are times we don't want to pay attention because of the weight that we face. Yeah, the birth of Jesus Christ has great implications and great opportunities for you and for me. When his name will be called wonderful, it speaks of the quality of life. His name is called counselor, not on my own. I don't have to make all these decisions myself. Mighty God enabling me to deal with the demands of life, even if I can't pay attention for more than eight seconds. Not only that, notice his name says, will be called everlasting father. The word everlasting there means from vanishing point to vanishing point. And of the many things that I'm reminded of, of the triune God, I'm reminded that my life will last forever. And in Jesus, this takes care of my future. That I don't need to fear death. Jesus Christ has gone before me. And not only that, notice the final Part of his name is his name will be called Prince of Peace. And this takes care of the disturbances. They all kind of build on one another. We live in a very disturbing culture. He gives us peace in the storms of life. If you're new to the Bible, the Bible uses a lot of different pictures to describe real world occurrences. And one of them, this figure of speech that we use is storms, because we understand what storms mean. Storms can greatly disrupt your life, like the storm we just had. It was like negative, which, what difference does it make after it's below 32? Just keep going. What difference does it make? Minus 10, 15, 20, 30, give me 40, give me 50, whatever. It's cold as cold, snow and ice. But you know, a simple storm like that shut the airport down, disrupted all sorts of lives stealing peace away from unsuspecting people. So when the Bible uses storms, there is actually a, a, a time in the life of Jesus where on the Sea of Galilee, and by the way, the Sea of Galilee is a real place. We take people there where you not only can stand in the Sea of Galilee, but you can be in a boat on the very Sea of Galilee that Jesus was. And there was a time recorded for Jesus that he sent his followers in a boat. And while they were in a boat together, a great storm came up. And it freaked them out. 
They were worried and concerned about their life. And yet Jesus was able to calm the storm. Why? Because he's the prince of peace. He's the origin of peace. Not a temporary peace that we kind of get through, but a permanent, eternal peace in the storms of life, especially in the turbulent times we face today. We're in such an unusual time. Horrendous crime. Horrendous difficulty. Things in this world designed to unsettle and disrupt us. And so God's gift to us is a Savior. A Savior. And what a glorious name. What's in a name? It all depends on who it is. And what that name reflects. And if we're referring to the name Jesus, then we know that that little baby brings to us hope, help, and true life in every sense of that word. And today, God has a gift for you. He's offering a gift of forgiveness that cost him greatly to provide it. You know, we as a church have been praying for you for a long time. As we think through the times where we add these services to to help with the capacity so we have room for everybody that wants to be here and everyone listening on the radio and watching online, we pray for you. We prayed for you in particular because we recognize what a big deal it is for you to turn your life back. Maybe you've been gone for a long time and now this is the first time you've been back in church in years. And it's really required a lot of you to pivot your life back toward God because of the pain or the sorrow or the difficulty. Who knows? Who knows what it is? And then some of you stepping into a church having no desire to be here at all. Being able to be in a room filled with song. Filled with the truth from God's word. It encourages us. But that's not all for you to be in the room. What our desire is to see you come into a right relationship with God. Because Jesus, that sweet little baby in the manger, grew up to be a man whose life ended tragically and horrifically on a Roman cross. Many would love to leave him in the manger, but he didn't stay there. Jesus was born to die, and he died and rose again. And if you haven't received God's great gift, then do it now. You you can leave here knowing that life, your life is right with God. Confessing your sin. You know, the Bible says that if you confess your sin, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And I know it takes a big step to admit that you need salvation. But it's not a big, as big step as you think because if you're even having those thoughts right now, God has been working on you because the Bible says no one comes to the Father. No one comes to the Father except through Christ. And no one comes unless the Father draws them. And so we invite you to receive that forgiveness today. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already 
because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Those are the words of Jesus, that baby grew up. This is what he taught us, that God has great love available to you today if you will just come. So Father, we pray for, the Holy, for your Holy Spirit to work great work in the hearts of those listening right now. For us, I'm so grateful, God. I'm grateful for the gift that you've extended to me, the change that you've accomplished in my life, in my family's life, your sustaining power. I think of every attribute described by Isaiah, and I think how I've enjoyed each one of them in my life. Your faithfulness, your goodness. How I'm reminded of the eternality. That you have direction, you have answers to the questions that are on my mind. To the difficult decisions I have to make. And God, I pray that those that are here today who have yet to give their life to you would come to know you in a personal way. Responding to the work of the Spirit happening in them right now. And there would be a real transformation of life from life, from darkness into light, from death into life. And so as we pray as a church, I want to invite you, if you're here today and you've never experienced a time in your life where you've confessed your sin before God and asked him to forgive you, I'm going to ask you to do that right now. I'm going to ask you to do it publicly. So if you're here today and you'd say, I want to follow Jesus, I want the forgiveness of sins that you spoke of. Would you just stand to your feet? I want to help you pray to God that your sins might be forgiven. And so wherever you might be in the room here, I invite you to respond by standing to your feet. That way I can see you and I can help you pray and ask God to forgive you. And that includes you guys down in the overflow room or downstairs in the cafe. Of course, out on the radio or on, uh, online somewhere, we don't see you. Uh, but sometimes I don't even see someone in the room. And the neat thing about this is Standing is not the mechanism that God saves you. But here's, what, here's why I would have some public, some public acknowledgement. It's because your whole life is public. Everything about your life is public. You have a public relationship with your family. A public relationship with your coworkers. A public relationship with your neighbors and the roads that you drive on. And despite the, the common adage in many families, we don't talk about religion or politics, you talk about your relationships. And your relationship with God will radically transform your life. And so who today would say, that's me, just stand to your feet. Today would be the day that God is ministering to you, that God is working in you. And I want to help you with the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth. And I'll, I'll say a simple prayer that you can say if it's sincere from the heart, God hears it. You could say something like this, God, I admit that I've sinned against you and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus Christ to live for me, to die for me. And I believe he rose again from the dead to save my soul. 
and I repent and turn away from my sinful past. And I choose to follow you today. And Father, I know anyone, anywhere that would respond to the drawing of your spirit in their lives, standing or sitting, kneeling, laying in a hospital bed, sitting in a prison cell, it doesn't matter. The supernatural work of salvation happens inside a person. And so I pray for those that would turn to you today. What a tremendous gift received. And now the gift of a changed life is a gift to give. And so, Father, as we move forward in our lives, Lord, in these last days, we truly want to represent you in a way that honors you in a culture and a world that doesn't. And so pour out your spirit on us that we might be found faithful. We pray these things in Jesus' holy name. And the church says, amen and amen. God bless you. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.